I have always wished that my Spanish was better. Living in Southern California and going to Mexico a lot for surfing, weekend trips, stuff like that, it's just very handy. I took three years of it in high school, but I really didn't learn that much from the books. I basically only got really good at asking various types of people where the library is located, which turns out to be not a phrase you use that often when you're on vacation. Rosetta Stone is a much more organic and easy way to learn a new language because it really immerses you in that language. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop, and also it has an app. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Like I said, it's fast language acquisition because it really immerses you in the language. There's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. They also have speech recognition features like True Accent, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's also an amazing value. They offer a lifetime membership, which includes all 25 languages, which is perfect for any and all trips you might have in your future with various languages you might want to learn. Don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, other world listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com otherworld today. This episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry sent me a razor starter kit recently to try, and I put it to use very quickly because I keep myself clean shaven. In fact, I pretty much shave every single day because I have lots of facial hair. It grows back very quickly, and it's also really thick, and it hurts a lot when I shave normally, with a bad razor at least. So I've been using Harry's razors for like a week now. They're very nice. It's a five-blade razor, and I have to say, it really does effortlessly shave through my normally very annoying facial hair. It doesn't hurt one bit, no tugging, anything like that. And it stayed sharp the entire time as well. I'm very impressed so far. It also has kind of a good weight to it. It's like heavier than normal. I don't know. It's like, it's just got a good weight to it. I really like that. I didn't know I liked it before, but now I know I like it. I also really liked the shaving cream just because it smells really good. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by questionable shaving products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. Harry's has a customizable delivery option for scheduled refills as low as $2, half of what you pay from other big brands. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com otherworld. That's harrys.com otherworld for a $3 trial set. Welcome to Otherworld. I'm your host, Jack Wagner. This episode is about a woman named Christine. A while back, we released a two-part series called The Night Hag. It was about a guy named Alec who was tormented by this old woman spirit every night when he slept as a kid. And it's a really crazy story. If you haven't heard those, you can go listen to them. But those episodes really struck a chord with people. And I received a lot of emails after they came out. Christine was one of those people, but her email was quite different. It was asking just one simple question. She asked me, have you ever heard of anyone seeing a beautiful night hag? That's exactly what she asked me, word for word. And I replied that no, I have not heard of that. And I, of course, asked her, 
why she was asking. Anyway, she went on to tell me a little bit about what happened to her. And at first, she was a little reluctant to be on the podcast, but ended up deciding to share her story. And it's a really, really wild story. And a story that I think, honestly, is not related to the Night Hag episodes at all. I think it's something completely different, but I could see why those episodes inspired her to write in. Christine is doing great now. She owns a business and lives a very non-spooky lifestyle, but a while back, she began experiencing some really horrible and mysterious health problems. These physical issues got so bad that they eventually took a toll on her mental health as well, until it reached a point that's about as low as a person can go. And at that point, some strange things started to happen. I've definitely heard of there being a connection between real-life turmoil and paranormal incidents. Some people believe that certain entities can thrive or feed off of negative energy. Maybe they're even attracted to it. A skeptical person would probably say that it's just your imagination running wild during tumultuous periods of your life. And then the third way to look at it is that that paranormal entity might be the cause of the physical and mental negativity in the first place. This is a story that seems to point to the third option being the case. I'm going to let her tell the story for herself. This is episode 48. The title is, It's You, Isn't It? And you're listening to Otherworld. Hello? Is this Bobby? Yes, it is. At, at its core, the science, you can't argue with. Don't a like story it. about All of a sudden. up in the sky. It's almost frustrating that it's happening. I'm literally just, I'm going to die. I'm, I'm like, it's looking. limbs were just like wrong. It's just, just there. Everybody moves back into the light, even if it takes them a My name is Christine. I live on the East Coast. I was definitely hesitant to tell this story because I myself don't even know what to make of it, frankly. I've always been open and I've always been maybe a little bit of a seeker, but like I would definitely not consider myself that. I don't really have any hippie tendencies in any way. I don't, I've never really believed in like what people would consider like woo woo. Yeah, like, I was just never a person who necessarily believed in, like, energies or things like that. Like, I've always been open to the idea of it, but it wasn't something that I ever particularly had an interest in. And so I've always considered myself more logical and kind of more, I don't know, corporal-minded at the heart of me. And I'm definitely a skeptic, but... I'm open and I've always been open to the idea that there are things that we don't understand and we don't see and we don't perceive because there's like there's so much in the natural world that humans already can't perceive. So why wouldn't there be other things? So when this story happened, I had I had always had some like minor, minor things that I was like, oh, that's weird happened to me in my previous life, like before the story happened. But this was like the first time I was like 
I really don't know what's going on and I'm not sure what to make of it. Because I'm open, like, because I'm like, I actually hope that we get to the point where science meets up with a lot of this stuff. I mean, up until, like, we didn't even understand biology or anything until like 150 years ago. So I have to believe that there are things that we know as a, as a species intuitively that science will eventually come circle back to and figure out or will will figure out at some point. So I don't think, the people who like are woo-woo and things like that, like I think that they probably intuitively have something going on and I just don't understand it because I don't have that element about me. But I do believe that science will eventually marry up and we'll figure out more scientifically like what's actually causing these intuitive feelings that we have. And I would like to have full disclosure that like part of the reason that I've struggled with my own story is because I was a kid who had a bunch of sleep issues. Like name a sleep issue and I've had it in my life. And so to me, like the, the real start of the story is like childhood. So when I was a kid, I, in hindsight, looking back, I think I was a very anxious child and, and my parents did not believe in things like therapy. And so instead they got me hypnotapes to try and like hypnotize me to sleep. I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I, I, I don't really tell people this because it sounds so strange. But I, I guess one of their friends had given them some sleep tapes that they thought worked. So up until this point, I really had only really experienced probably like sleepwalking. And I must have been, when I started sleepwalking, I must have been like really little, like super little, because I was constantly climbing out of my crib and stuff, according to my mom. So I started sleepwalking early. And then I actually doubled back and I asked my mom when they got me those tapes because... I knew I was doing this interview and I was like, is my perception of this wrong? And turns out the tapes happened a lot sooner and earlier than I had remembered. So I was probably roughly like seven or eight when the tapes got introduced. What I remember is that it was a lot of like beach sounds and things that you would like typically, you know, like white noise and trying to fall asleep, like very soothing, calming background noise. But then there was a woman's voice just kind of like slowly talking instructions. And so some of the instructions would be like, relax all of your fingertips, you know, like focus on your fingertips, relax. And like, kind of like trying to get you to kind of just focus on the here and now. And then at one point during the tape, it, it was like a, a backwards counting. It was like, we're going to like fall slowly into the recesses of sleep and we're going to start at a hundred and don't focus on the numbers. And it's like stuff like that, where like it just starts counting backwards. And the reason I remember that part is because that's the thing that got me familiar with liminal spaces. And I think that to me is like why I'm starting here for my story is because when all of this started happening in my adulthood, I was super comfortable with liminal spaces because of these hypnotapes. After the interview, Christine was actually able to track down those meditation tapes that her parents were playing for her as a kid. And I'm going to let you listen to a sample of these because I think whether you're a full believer or a stone-cold skeptic, I'm sure we could all agree that a child falling asleep 
to meditation tapes, especially a child that has sleep issues already, might have some strange consequences. Take a listen. Have you ever wanted to be a bird? Well, in just a few moments, you can become a bird. All it takes is your imagination. Well, the rain has stopped now. If you want, you can still be a bird and fly to your favorite place. Or you can be yourself again, back in your good old body, resting peacefully. Each time you take this flying trip, you may notice something different. Because your imagination never runs out of new pictures and feelings. I'm not going to talk anymore. They'll just be the stream and the birds. Can you explain to me what liminal spaces are? So I use the I, I use the term a lot, and I realized I was using the term a lot. But to me, it's a it's a boundary spot. It's not quite our normal reality, and it's not quite the dream state that we all know. It is a secondary spot in between that that neither the entity that I was encountering lives in nor I live in, but it's a space where we can actually commune together because somehow we can both exist there while neither one of us can really exist on one plane or the other. So like as like, I, like seven or eight-year-old me <laughs> like was listening to these tapes and trying to fall asleep because she was insomnia as like a seven-year-old, like I started... I don't know, really focusing and being able to like understand when my body was falling asleep to the point that where the whole reason I even stopped listening to the tapes is I started basically being able to like hypnotize myself into sleep and doing the same kind of processes. And so I would like talk myself backwards into sleep and I would just know I was going in. It's like the same stuff people do when they're actively trying to lucid dream, right? Like that's the whole process is basically the same to my very limited knowledge because I never really explored it because I, this happened to me when I was like seven or eight. So basically I spent this entire period of my life, probably from like seven to like, I don't know, 12, 13, really just like lucid dreaming every single night. And not only lucid dreaming, but like, I definitely was a person that could transition myself in and out of sleep. And so when I would transition out of sleep, sometimes the remnants of what I was seeing were hallucinations in my room. So hearing all this, it would be really easy to kind of say, oh, well, she's just having sleep hallucinations again. But for me, because I've had so much experience with these types of sleep hallucinations, it almost adds weight to the argument that it's not 
because it wasn't. So as a kid who had sleep issues, I got really, really, um, just really used to knowing what that in-between space, the liminal space between sleep and waking was. Like I could bring myself into it, take myself out of it. And then, you know, as, a, as most kids do, like when you get older and when you like move on with your life, you typically kind of like just grow out of certain things. So I don't, I don't really lucid dream anymore. Like I still have bouts of insomnia, but like know how to kind of get myself through that stuff. So I probably stopped really actively lucid dreaming when I was probably about 15. And from about 16 up until where the story begins, I haven't really had any sleep issues other than like maybe insomnia. I do, however, have very vivid dreams. It's very clear that they're dreams and I do know that they're just dreams, but I'm just the type of person who literally I can tell you what I dreamt about last night. Like I dream every single night. I always wake up knowing what I dreamt about. It's just part of me. Like it's always been there. And so let's, knowing all of that information, let's kind of get into the actual story. So I've always had kind of like minor bouts of depression. It comes and it goes. It's usually not that bad. I know how to get out of it. I know how to move forward from it. I think I've only really had maybe like three in total my entire life and they've only ever lasted a few months maximum. So anywhere from a couple weeks to like a couple months. Um, Maybe like three or four months maximum. And I know when it's coming on, it's typically triggered by something and I know what that trigger is. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I'm depressed. I should probably figure this out. So that's happened on and off throughout my life. Never really thought much about it other than it's just part of me. So fast forward to 35 and I had a major life event happen that I was unprepared for that sent me into what I thought was a normal depression. But turns out it was my first experience with like a made what would be classified as a major depression. But I just didn't know it at the start. The whole story spans from roughly mid-2017 to spring of 2021. So in mid-2017 is when my depression started. At first it seemed pretty normal. I was doing all the steps that I do to get out of it. And it just kind of wasn't going away. And I couldn't figure out why and was just trying to move forward in my life. And it was just lingering. Somewhere in 2018, I started getting physically ill. And when I say physically ill, I mean just having all sorts of symptoms. And I've always been a pretty athletic person, and I've been really, really, really in tune with my body since I was very young. I played in competitive sports. And so I've always been really, because of that, always been really like in tune with how my body feels. So in 2018, I started getting all, a whole host of symptoms that just were not right. I would have tinnitus. I, I'm a person that doesn't naturally get headaches. I was getting headaches. Um, I started gaining weight 
unexpectedly. Like, and not like anybody else would have noticed, but I noticed. There were just little things here and there that I was like, what is going on? I started feeling like super lethargic, a lot of gastrointestinal issues, things like that. And just decided, okay, something's going on, something's wrong. So I started just going to doctor's appointments, trying to figure out what was wrong with me. All throughout 2018, no one could figure out what was wrong with me. Um, And things just kind of kept getting worse. When I first went to the doctor's appointments in 2018, I was pretty adamant that there was something like wrong with me. And my primary care didn't care. I went to a different primary care. They didn't care. (laughs) I learned a lot about the medical system and how they treat women. Like, it pretty much was all like, it's just stress and anxiety. Um, So it took me a while to find anybody who would even, like, test me or listen to me. Finally, my OB-GYN actually was like, hey, this sounds like this. Why don't we test you for it? And so they did find that I had a thyroid issue at that point. And it was, it was minor. It was like a minor elevation in my thyroid. So thyroid issues can be like caused by stress and anxiety. And I was like, okay, I'm very stressed. I'm very anxious at this time period because I'm going, so I had this big life event and now I'm like, you know, constantly thinking about this big life event and I'm depressed. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm just doing it to myself. Maybe everybody's right. Maybe I'm just stressed and anxious. So I changed up my diet. Um, I went on some medications and lo and behold, Two months later, after doing that, I went back in and my thyroid levels were normal again. However, my symptoms were not. So my thyroid, back in line. I've never had an issue with it since. And that was like in 2018. Um, But yet all of these symptoms that I had been having continued on. So I kept going to doctors trying to figure out what was wrong with me. At this point in the story... And it must have been somewhere around the turn of 2018 to 2019 is when I stopped dreaming. And that got weird for me to literally wake up for days upon days and then weeks upon weeks on end and not remember a single dream, but not even know what was going on in your brain the night before was I know it doesn't sound like much to anybody else, but for me, it was wildly jarring. And I used to wake up when this was happening and just turn to my husband and be like, I'm in a void. Like, I, I'm in a void all, all night. And, like, I don't know what's going on and I don't know why I'm not dreaming. And it's kind of starting to, to weird me out. And it weirded me out to the point that when I would go into the doctor's offices, it would actually be like the first symptom I would tell them. I was like, yeah, I have all of this other stuff going on, but then also this is going on and it's so abnormal for me. Like that has to be a clue to something else. And none of the doctors seemed interested at all (laughs) in that symptom. So I just kind of let it go. So now in circa 2019, I'm still experiencing symptoms Still don't know what's going on with me medically. And I'm also literally devoid of dreams. Looking back at everything, what really stands out to me is that it was, it felt like a deliberate escalation 
every single stage felt like a deliberate escalation that I wasn't in control of. And so the reason I call it the void is that because to literally stop dreaming for me was so jarring, but also it, it didn't just feel like my dreams had ceased. It felt like I was stuck in a black hole the entire night. So like, imagine if you're ha- like, if you're not having a dream, but you are conscious that you are not having a dream. That is what it felt like. I was just in darkness. It was just darkness. That's why I call it the void. Like, it felt like a space of darkness. Okay, we have to take a quick break, but we will be right back. Springtime is here. I've recently had all of my windows open, letting in the breeze, the smell of fresh flowers blooming all over my neighborhood. This is what a house should smell like. It should not smell like your cat's litter box. Thankfully, Pretty Litter makes that very easy. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odor. It's ultra-absorbent, lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. It also gives me peace of mind knowing Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in my cat, like urinary tract infections, kidney issues, and more. This is especially useful now that my cat is hanging out constantly by our screen door, getting visitations from coyotes, raccoons, squirrels, other cats, who knows what else. So it's very helpful knowing that if he picks up anything weird from them, I'll notice right away in his litter. When I first got my cat Merlin, I tried using the cheap cat litter that comes in those huge, giant bags from the pet store. That stuff is awful. Some of it smells worse than the smells it's supposed to be covering up. It does not have to be like that. There's a better way to live. There's no reason for your house to smell like your cat's litter box. If your house smells like a cat's litter box, that's on you. That's not on your cat. Pretty Litter is amazing. You should give it a try. Go to prettylitter.com slash otherworld to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash otherworld to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Otherworld listeners. I'm excited to tell you about a show that I love and I think you're going to love as well. It's called Sophia with an F, starring Sophia Franklin. This show is about as different from Otherworld as a show could possibly be, which is why I think many people were very, very shocked when I got invited on as a guest around Halloween. It was really the crossover that nobody expected. I'll never forget the day my episode came out and every single one of my college-age cousins texted me all at the same time. Very confused, but also very excited. It was nice to hear from all of them, though, and uh, finally get some respect. I had a great time on the show. Sophia is really down-to-earth, which is why I think her interviews are so good. We talked about Otherworld, the paranormal, getting into this whole thing unexpectedly, as I did, and a lot of other stuff that I think normally does not get discussed on Sophia with an F. Normally in the show, Sophia Franklin goes deep on sex, life, mental health, relationships, and everything in between. You could get Sophia all to yourself every Monday for solo mini-episodes and every Thursday with her ride-or-die best friends, experts, and some famous guests on a host of other topics, topics that are not safe for the dinner table, from foursomes and sugar daddies to wild sexcapades and tips for keeping things fresh in the bedroom. 
It's raw and laugh out loud funny, no borders and no filters. My personal favorite is the episode with Walk a Flock of Flame, if you want somewhere to start. Listen to and follow Sophia with an F on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like you just need to get something off your chest? Contrary to the belief of, I think, every single man in my family lineage, dating back to the hunter-gatherer period, bottling things up does not work. When you push those things down, it begins to build up and negatively affects you. And of course, the stuff you bottle up always finds a way to come out eventually, usually not in a very good way. Therapy is a place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. There's a reason people say it's like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders afterwards. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you could switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com otherworld today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash otherworld. I used to be really bad at keeping track of my finances. A very stupid part of me believed that if I just don't look at my bank accounts and my credit card statements, the money will all still be there, even if I spent it on stupid stuff that month. Well, that's not how it works. I learned the hard way. It's quite the opposite. Usually, when I finally did look, I'd notice that there was some subscription I'd been paying for that I forgot to cancel or I got overcharged for something and it's too late to fix. But now I use Rocket Money to keep track of all of that for me so I don't have to worry. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you could grow your savings. Rocket Money finds all of your bills and subscriptions for you, lays them out, and gives you the option to cancel them automatically or it can negotiate a lower price for you. I recently tested this out on my internet bill and they were able to negotiate a lower price for me. I saved like $300 doing this. If you're like me and you get scared checking your accounts, Rocket Money might be your savior. It's nice having everything in one place and under control. I promise you're gonna be very happy once you finally do it. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com otherworld. That's rocketmoney.com otherworld. And so this goes on and on for a while. And I just keep getting more and more lethargic and more and more tired and more and more, honestly, unable to go about my daily life. Like at a point somewhere either in 2019 or beginning of of 2020, I guess it was the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, I would just like take naps midday because... I just couldn't do anything else. And I, if anybody who knows me, because I have all these sleep issues, I've never napped in my entire life. I didn't nap when I was a kid. Like napping is a bad sign for me. So yeah, I just, like, I wasn't getting any sleep. I was exhausted all the time. And every night I would just kind of move into the space that I would wake up saying I was in the void. Fast forward a little bit. And probably we're talking about 2019 at this point. 2019, I'm in the void really consistently, just completely stopped dreaming. Um, My medical issues are getting worse and worse and worse. I'm going to all these doctor's offices. 
No one can figure out what's going on. Everybody's telling me it's just stress and anxiety. And then I started having heart palpitations. And then I started having um, high blood pressure, which is fun um, as like a 38-year-old generally healthy person. And they started putting me on blood pressure medication and everything in my body was just kind of going haywire. But yet I kept switching doctors and they kept saying nothing was wrong with me. So then somewhere very late, this was very late 2019, I finally found a doctor to listen to me. And they were like, oh, well, no one's done this secondary blood test. Why don't we just do that? So they pulled the secondary blood test. Turned out I was severely anemic. This is not shocking to me. Like anemia runs in my family, but it was shocking that it took a long time for anybody to figure that out. And why it's important to the story is that anemia could, again, we're going back to all the things that I'm like, okay, well, this explains this and this explains this. All of these things can be explained away, except the dreaming at this point, right? Like, so anemia can cause heart palpitations, anemia can cause high blood pressure, anemia can cause lethargy, all of these things. Oh, also my hair was falling out. That's another one. So actively going to dermatologists to try and figure out why my hair was just falling out in clumps. Anemia can cause hair falling out. And I was so anemic that they basically were like, if you had like waited any longer, we were going to have to immediately go give you blood transfusions. So circa spring 2020 is when I had my infusions. Not spring, it was like January. So it was like really, really early 2020 is when I had my infusions. They said at a maximum, it should take... They said I should start feeling pretty much back to normal within two to three weeks. Well, that just def- definitely did not happen. And they said at a maximum, maybe a few months because of the type of anemia I had, like it need to like replenish my backup stores. And so let me be clear. <clears throat> I did not feel better. And I, in fact, while it helped a little, I just still felt roughly the same as I felt before the anemia. So... Right around the time that I'm getting my infusions, I'm still stuck in the void. I started waking up consistently at like 3 a.m. on the dot. And it started happening just so, like like clockwork. So not only was I waking up at 3, like in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., I was actually kind of waking up terrified. I am not a person who is super easily scared of the dark especially not my own house like I've always any house that I've ever like lived in I've always been super comfortable in I it's like my happy place I'm pretty much a homebody and I bought this house I love this house so much it's the house I still live in and I woke up in the middle of the night consistently terrified of something and I didn't know what and all I knew is that like I would wake up and feel like it was like in the corner of my bedroom above the door to my bedroom. And where I was oriented in the room is like I was on, my bed was positioned on the center of the back wall. And so I would wake up and basically look up to that corner and just like hunker down because I was like, what? Why am I scared right now? Why do I think I'm scared of something, this non-existent thing in the corner of my room? But I don't know, like I just was. Like I I don't know how to describe it other than I was just kind of innately terrified of the spot. 
The other thing that was happening is like when I would wake up at 3 a.m. and this thing would be in the corner, the room also felt really hot. And I don't know what to do about that. Like, I would just wake up and it would feel so oppressively hot. And to this day, I don't even know if the heat was like in my mind or if it was just like focused on me because like my husband would never complain about it, but like it would be hot. And so I'd wake up at 3 a.m. The room would be insanely hot. I'd feel this thing in the corner and I would just like literally just hunker down into my bed with the covers and just like ignore it. Just ignore it. And some nights I would try to go back to sleep and some nights I would just kind of write it out until I felt comfortable enough going back to sleep. And so it was it was different strategy every time because some nights I felt safe enough to try and fall back asleep and some nights I just didn't. And so I would just sit there and like hang out in my bed under my covers until for whatever reason the mood shifted in the room and I felt safe enough to go back to sleep. It felt angry, I think, and oppressive. Oppressive is a really good way, like as I like think about it felt very it felt focused. Like it's not like this general like oh this feeling was just like generally in the room. It was like focused to one spot. And it felt like it was staring at me. And it and it wasn't there every single time I woke up at 3 a.m. But then it it started being there consistently every time I I woke up at 3 a.m. So like I was saying, everything in hindsight I realized was a deliberate escalation where it felt like something was continually trying new tactics when the first tactic wasn't working. So it started out with the void. Then I would wake up at 3 a.m. to something staring at me in my room, trying to scare me. It felt like that thing was planning something. And so then when I started having what I consider to be the night attacks, it felt like that thing had figured out a way to start physically attacking me while I slept. Kind of going back to the void, it felt like that same space that I had been stuck in while I just considered it like a lack of dreaming or the void, but when I now realize was like the void. Um, when I would wake up to these night attacks, I realized that the void was the place that I was being attacked, essentially. It felt like a football player ramming into my chest is what it felt like. So if like a linebacker went to go tackle you and just put all of the pressure on your chest in a repeated motion, and then when that wasn't working, it would start with lighter ramming towards my throat and then eventually like my head and my mouth. It felt like it was just trying to get inside my upper chest cavity and it was a repeated kind of like a battering ram where it would go back, try and get more motion, like more momentum and ram even harder the next time. And one thing I did remember is that it was coming from the same trajectory as where the thing was. So like it was coming from that corner whenever it would go back 
to try and hit me again. It was coming from that trajectory. It probably went on for about eight or nine months until it escalated into its final stage. So during these night attacks, I, for some reason, instinctively would not open my eyes. I think part of what they were trying to do was to get me to open my eyes, which is why I started at the very tail end waking up in sleep paralysis because I think it, it, it wanted me to look at it for some reason. But during these night attacks, I just wouldn't open my eyes. Um, so I don't consciously know what this thing looked like. Um, in my mind's eye, I perceived it as a black shadow that was a, like a black cloud ramming into me. When I was being attacked, the first time that it happened, like I obviously was caught off guard, but I was able to physically, with my actual arms, push this thing off of me. So the next time that it happened, I was trying to physically push it off of me and it wasn't working. And so I almost instinctively started to try and concentrate my personal life force into a ball of energy to push that and physically push my hands off of him. Like, so basically it was a concentration, like what I was trying to do is take the energy of my own body, concentrate it in almost a ball-like form and throw it at the entity. I knew what this felt like from like a physical like experience that I'd had previously. So I think for whatever reason, I was like, I've got the energy to get this thing off of me. I can repel it with more force. And the more force that I came up with was energy out of my own body. In these night attacks, everything that I tried worked until it didn't. So I started with physically trying to push it off of me. When that didn't work, that's when I would try and throw up these energy, energy shields. When those worked for a while, and then when they did, stopped working, that's when I started pulling to like mantras and different different chants in order to try and give me, I guess, extra, extra emotional support to get it off of me. And so everything basically worked until it didn't. And then I, I had to try a new tactic because it felt like from the entity's end, like from the entity side, they were trying to get stronger and do new tactics as well. So it felt like a standoff. It felt like a battle. One of the main things that I'm now rem that I that I remembered after we spoke is that I actually woke up saying the Lord's Prayer a lot. So because I was raised Catholic, I have all these like, you know, very I know how to I know how to say a rosary, right? So I have all of this muscle memory of saying all of these very standard prayers, and I would wake up saying Hail Marys. I would say wake up saying the Lord's Prayer. I would wake up saying just general mantras like. I live in the light and the love. You do not belong here. I am of the light. You do not belong here. In the name of Jesus, I cast you out. Like these are all things that I woke up saying that 
as a non-religious person and as a person now who doesn't even associate as a Christian, these are just not things I've even, even thought about in 20 years, frankly. So it was very jarring. So as this went on, my life just kind of got more and more out of control, a little bit more chaotic and more chaotic. Um, Between just continually feeling awful with my health issues, continuing to feel depressed and not being able to get out of that depression. The other things that were going on in my life is that because I was so emotionally distraught during this time period as I started alienating a lot of my close friends and family. And so I felt more isolated and alone. And in hindsight, I think that was one of the goals and the tactics of what was going on is that they wanted me to feel hopeless. They wanted me to feel alone and they wanted me to believe that I had nothing to live for. So this particular night, I thought I had woken up. And I just woke up and I was in my room. And then I looked up and there was a person, not a person, a woman, standing directly over my bed. My first thought was that our house had been broken into and there's a woman standing over me staring at me in bed. And my second thought was like, wait, that can't be right because look at how she's dressed. And I don't know how else to describe it. This woman was gorgeous. Like she was beautiful. She looked like, and this is going to sound weird that I'm making this distinction, but like she, her face looked like a, like a, a movie star from the 1940s based off of like her makeup and like like her, how her eyebrows were and and just like her general facial features. She looked like like a Lauren Bacall or like one of those old tiny movie stars. But then when I looked at her heart, like when I took her all in, she was wearing an, an Edwardian evening gown like the type that you would see like in Downton Abbey when they're all dressing for dinner. And so it was like this 1910s to 1920s transition period dress where it's just like, you know, costume where it, it it's like just this beautiful, intricate beaded, almost flapper style evening gown. And she had like the full regalia, like the dress was white and beaded and crystals everywhere. And her hair, which was like gorgeous and like had this, these brown luxurious curls falling down her back was done up in a half, half up, half down um, hairstyle. And she was wearing like a 1920s flapper's headdress to go with all of this. She was stunning. Like her her face, like how she was staring at me wasn't scary. Like I wasn't actually scared of her in that moment. I think I was just more fascinated by her and 
kind of in awe of her beauty. And I don't know, I just just kept staring at her and she was just staring at me. And so I look at her and I say, it's you, isn't it? And she didn't say anything. She just turned her head, even though she was already looking at me, she turned her head kind of even more downward to me and just smiled. Like she knew what I was asking and like the smile was the answer. But also it wasn't like a menacing smile. Like I can't emphasize this enough. Like her smile was not malicious. It was not... There was nothing weird about her smile. Like, she didn't have scary teeth. Like, a knowing smile of like, yep. Yep, it's me. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, she... (laughs) She responded to me, and like, she... She's trying to tell me, like, this is her. Like, this is it. And this is the point when I try to reach over to my husband and be like, we need to get the fuck out of here. And... I realize I'm in sleep paralysis. And so at that point, it was good because I knew how to get out of it. So I just woke myself up and it was all over. But the interaction itself was very quick, but like really scary. Like I actually didn't really become so scared of the whole thing until really after I fully woke up. And I was like, what, what was that? What just happened? Like, I literally interacted with the thing, like going back to the whole, you know, like liminal space conversation where like, I've had lucid dreams before. I've had these different things. I, if it was really coming from my own brain, I actually know how to control them. And like this, there was no control involved with this whatsoever. Like, it was like two entities, myself and this other, like actually interacting on some conscious manner. I don't know what her intent or motivation is, but a part of me, a part of me wonders if she was there to help. A part of me thinks that she was there to gloat. And a part of me thinks that she was there because she and her minions actually gave up. And I woke up. And ever since that day, Ever since that actual freaking day, I have never had a single bout of sleep paralysis. I have never had another night entity attack. I have never had, I, my dreams came back almost immediately and all of my actual physical symptoms, it went from like, it jumped from me feeling like maybe 60% of myself to like 90% of myself almost immediately. And then over the next couple of months, I like basically got back to 100%. So like the things that kind of went away were my blood pressure went back to normal. I stopped feeling lethargic. My hair stopped falling out. Um, My gastrointestinal issues went away. My back pains went away. I stopped having headaches. I stopped having to sleep in the middle of the day because I was so, I needed to take a nap because I was so tired. Pretty much I had like had all of these different things and like they all just like, just generally stopped. And not like, I don't want it to make it sound like overly dramatic. It's just like, oh, the next day it was totally fine. But like literally over the next couple of weeks, whereas like 
When I got my infusions, my, my anemia infusions, it still wasn't going away from this was like a year plus on from them. Like it never stopped. When I, when I saw what I say is the white lady, literally within like three or four weeks, I was pretty much almost normal again. And that's the story. Okay. Thank you so much to Christine for sharing her story. I think the appearance of this woman distracts from perhaps the wildest detail of this entire story, which is that all of her health issues went away instantly. And things were really bad, really bad. She told me more details when we weren't recording. And then all of a sudden, after she sees this woman in white and confronts her, everything goes away. Like, I don't know how to get the point across better than this without being too literal, but things were very bad, physical and mental. And suddenly, in an instant, it's all gone. Her doctors say that everything is back to normal. That is crazy. That is crazy. So Christine views this experience as this woman being the cause of all of those issues that were tormenting her for so long, both physical and mental issues. And I tend to agree, but part of me while recording this started to wonder, is it possible that this woman was actually something benevolent that appeared to Christine after chasing off whatever was actually attacking her for all that time? Maybe she was something good, came to help her, and then appeared before saying goodbye to give her that smile. I don't know if that's the case, but it's something that popped into my head. And I think my favorite stories are ones where you can interpret it multiple different ways. Either way, I'm very glad she is doing better and has not had any issues since that night. This has been episode 48. The title is, It's You, Isn't It? And you've been listening to Otherworld. Otherworld is executive produced and hosted by Jack Wagner. The theme song is by Cobra Man. You are getting very relaxed now. The soundtrack of the episode is by Juice Jackal and North Americans. This episode was edited and engineered by Theo Schaefer. The artwork is by Cul-de-Sac Studios. You suddenly feel compelled to leave a five-star review for Otherworld because you enjoyed it so, so much. You also want to tell your friends about the show. Now you are very relaxed and calm. You are flying and you are thinking about how much you want to become a patron of Otherworld. You remember that you can do so at patreon.com otherworld. We just launched a TikTok. Go follow the page at Otherworld Pod. That is also the handle on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to the team at Odyssey, J.D. Crowley, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Leah Reese-Dennis, Rob Morandi, Eric Donnelly, Matt Casey, Casey Clouser, Maura Curran, Josefina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. Follow and listen to Otherworld Now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you or somebody you know has experienced something paranormal, supernatural, or unexplained, you can send us your story at stories at otherworldpod.com. You are so relaxed. Everything feels great. 
Once again, you are thinking about how much you want to leave a five-star review for Otherworld. You also decided you will definitely be signing up for the Patreon. The host, Jack, and his team work so, so very hard on the show. You know, they need the support, they deserve it, and it's just five dollars. Jack is your favorite podcast host. Otherworld is your favorite show. You might even unsubscribe from all of the other shows that you listen to. Huh, just kidding. But then again, maybe I'm not. You are about to wake up, and when you do, you might hear some advertisements, which is fine. You actually like hearing them, because you know that they help make your favorite, favorite show, Otherworld. Time to wake up. Thank you for listening. Goodbye for now.